year, uh, as far as I am concerned. They're celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. And so I'm glad that you're here uh, with us this morning and able to celebrate with us. As far as things coming up this week, I know the school's on spring break, uh, but we are going to continue with everything. Uh, we'll have the Monday morning Bible study. Uh, that's at 11 in the sanctuary. Uh, Wednesday morning, we will be meeting. Um, I was just discussing having some issues with uh, we're starting a new study. So if you'd like to be involved, let me know with that. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about the uh, parables of Jesus, but as far as getting this new study started, uh, having a couple issues there, hopefully we'll get those straightened out uh, before Wednesday. If not, we'll just we'll meet Wednesday and, and delay the Bible study part for a week. Uh, youth will be meeting on Wednesday night, and uh, those are, so everything's going on as scheduled. And hopefully, uh, we've got some beautifully dressed people here, hopefully we'll have some pictures on Facebook uh, when this is all done. And uh, for those who know Greg, Greg is Greg today. Uh, just so you know that, we have uh, a, lot of, a lot of nicely dressed people here. So hopefully we'll get that on Facebook. And, and then uh, my uh, final announcement, and I make this announcement pretty much every Easter Sunday. It's the latest news from the Middle East. The tomb is empty. He is risen. Let's read from Psalm 118. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nation, among the nations, that is, and praise your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, he is risen. He is risen indeed. We thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ. We thank you that we can come to you and worship as your sons and daughters, heirs of the kingdom because our great king is risen. May this time of worship give you all glory praise as we celebrate and worship our risen king and it is in his wonderful name the name of jesus christ that we pray amen and then what we will do is i will have you go uh, to the father uh, in your silent prayer with your thanksgiving uh, with your repentance and confession for your sins the sins that christ died for uh, and for those who are on uh, your mind this morning and, and the cares that you bring with you, uh, I'll have you go to the Father in silent prayer with that, and then I will continue with a pastoral prayer. But, but let's pray. Gracious Lord, King of Kings, Lord of Lords,
Jesus strides forth the victor. He is the conqueror of death and sin and all opposing might. He bursts the bands of death. He tramples the powers of darkness. He lives forever. He has paid the debt of our sin and he comes forth from the grave triumphant over sin, triumphant over Satan, triumphant over death. Justice is satisfied, and in him we have forgiveness of sin. Heavenly Father, we repent our sin to you. We confess them and ask for your forgiveness, the forgiveness that Christ has won on our behalf. In Christ we died. In him we rose. In his life we have triumph, and we thank you for that. Heavenly Father, we think this morning of those who are sick, and we ask that you will heal them, that they on this day can feel your presence, your victorious presence in their life, that you are the Savior that you have died for their sins. We ask that they will feel your healing touch, both body and soul. We pray for the leaders of this country and, and leaders around the world, that they may understand that they are in submission to the King of Kings, that there is one who is truly triumphant, and that they will lead with your wisdom, God that you will grant them understanding that can come only from you, that they can lead rightly, that we may live in peace. We thank you this morning that we can celebrate like this. And we ask that the true meaning of this day be known to all, that they will understand that there is a risen Savior, we pray for those who don't know that truth. May this day be the day that they, they too receive victory in Christ, that they can turn from the ways of their sin and see the truth in Christ, the glories of Christ. We pray for all of those who are traveling this weekend and with spring break for uh, many of the schools around here that uh, in this next week as uh, many are traveling, we pray for safety on the roads. We, we do pray for the police and fire and paramedics and all of those who are charged with keeping our roadways safe. May you give them wisdom and may their jobs be easy because roads are, are uh, flowing smoothly. We think particularly of those who are spending this Resurrection Sunday by themselves, some due to isolation because of COVID uh, or other illnesses, some due to uh, the lack of, of being able to travel. Some have lost loved ones in this past year and are spending this Easter alone for the, the first time. And Heavenly Father, we lift them to you May this day not be a day of loneliness, but a day of remembering 
remembering the glories we have in Christ, remembering the true victory that has been won, remembering how wonderful you are and being able to feel your presence, to feel your touch, to feel your comfort, and to know that that comfort goes into an eternity. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We pray for your church. We pray for your body here on earth, that you will lead us rightly, that we may walk in your righteousness, that we may be light unto the lost, that they may see you and give you praise, that, that we may be able to express the joy and victory we have in Christ. Express it lovingly, express it boldly, and may you get all praise. We love you and we thank you. We pray this in the name of our victorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And then uh, you will notice in your bulletin there are three passages that we have, or that I have uh, mentioned here. And, uh, you might be looking at that and thinking, how long are we going to be here today? Uh, three passages, and, and the answer to that is a long time. So settle in. Uh, actually, it won't be that long. Uh, but I did want to set some things up. We'll start with Luke chapter 24. Uh, so Luke chapter 24, and, and I want to read the, um, the resurrection account. Uh, when we left Jesus last week, Jesus... Uh, was on the cross. And, and I want to read the, the resurrection account. And then from there, uh, we're going to read from Luke 24. We're going to go to the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 1, I'll just read one verse, basically. It's verse 3. And then in Acts chapter 2, we'll read verses 22 through 36. And that will be the, the main text that we'll look at. But I, I want to set it up. Luke wrote the book of Acts, so this kind of carries uh, on. Uh, Luke kind of leaves us a little theme here that we can follow. Uh, so we'll start with Luke and then uh, go into what Luke writes in Acts chapter 1. So you can hold your finger in Acts chapter 1 as I start reading here in Luke uh, chapter 24, uh, starting at verse 1. And, and as we do this, you'll notice there's a they in verse 1. Well, the, the they, if you go back to uh, chapter 23, verse 55, it's the women who had come with him, uh, who had come with Jesus from Galilee, and, and uh, they saw the tomb uh, where his body had been laid, and then they went and prepared some spices and ointments, and some of them actually get named uh, in this passage, uh, but they are the they that we'll start with here. But let me read uh, Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee 
that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And then we'll turn to Acts chapter 1, because Jesus uh, was with his disciples for a while, and I just want to uh, mention this. Uh, once again, Luke is, is writing in the book of Acts, and, and he mentions in chapter 1, verse 3, he, and that's Jesus, he presented himself alive to them, those are his disciples, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And then from there, we'll turn to Acts chapter 2, and we'll start at verse 22. And what has happened here is Peter, uh, it, it's the day of Pentecost, actually. So this is 10 days after the, the 40 days that Jesus had been with his disciples. Pentecost was celebrated uh, 50 days, if you can follow me on this, 50 days after the first day after the Sabbath of the Passover. You understood that completely, right? Anyhow, 50 days later. Um, and so this is 10 days after the 40 days. And, and the Holy Spirit came on the disciples who were all there. And, and they started speaking in different languages and, and doing these things. And, and people are wondering what's going on. And, and Peter uh, addresses them. And you'll notice in verse 14, he's talking there in Jerusalem uh, to the men of Judea and in Jerusalem, and a lot of them are there because it is this, this uh, day that they celebrate Pentecost. And he starts to put together here what has happened with our risen Savior. And so I'm going to catch him uh, in, in midst of what he's saying, starting at verse 22. This is Peter now preaching, and he says this, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet 
and knowing that God had sworn with him an oath to him that he would set one of his disciples on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for these words, these words of resurrection that give us understanding, that give us life, that give us purpose, that give us hope. May you speak to our hearts as we look at these words, that we can celebrate from the very depths of our hearts the victory of our risen Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it just happened before we uh, actually went on here. I got up here and I had completely forgotten uh, what I was going to ask a few people here. And, and we all uh, know that experience of, of walking into a room and getting in there and thinking, now, why am I here? I, I walked in here for a reason. Uh, my family has heard me say at least 100 times as I've walked into a room, I came here for a purpose, I just haven't thought of it yet. Uh, I remember, uh, I may have mentioned this in high school uh, one time, uh, sitting in class, it's the middle of class, and a guy walks in, and actually was one of my friends, which may explain a lot, but he walked in, to the class, walked to the front of the classroom, looked the teacher right in the eye, and for those who know it in Richmond High School, it was Mr. Schaefer's class, he, he looked him right in the eye with this confused look on his face, stood there for a couple seconds, shrugged his shoulders and turned around and left. And all of us in the class are thinking, oh, that's about right, <laughs> we knew who he was. But we've all had that experience. You know, why, why am I here again? What am I doing? Well, what's this all about? I, I, I had a purpose, but what is it? Jesus had a purpose. And he never forgot his purpose. He knew what it was, and he never forgot that. And he was going to carry it through no matter what it took. And when you look at the, the, the passage uh, from Luke, as, as well as uh, what Peter says in the book of Acts, but uh, going back to, to Luke, uh, the, the angels uh, remind the women of this. The, the women, remember, they're coming uh, to the tomb on that Easter morning, and, and they're looking for a dead person. They saw Jesus in the tomb, and, and that's what they're looking for. Here's, there's going to be a dead man when we get there. And that's why we're bringing these spices and, and this ointment. We're going to anoint a dead body. 
but then uh, these these two men, one of which speaks, these two men say, "Why, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He's risen." And then they remind the women. They say, "Remember how he told you." This is while you were still up north in Galilee. Remember how he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And the angels reminded them of that, and they remembered. That's right. He did say all that. It didn't make sense to them at the time. It didn't really make sense to the disciples. They were trying to figure it out. But now they're reminded, that's right, he came and, and he said this was going to happen. In fact, he said this had to happen. And so they go and they tell the disciples, and the disciples, they still haven't figured this out yet, and, and they're thinking about it. And, and Peter, uh, Luke mentions Peter specifically. Peter runs to the tomb, and we know John actually outran Peter to get to the tomb, and, and there may have been uh, others following as well, but Peter specifically gets mentioned, and he goes to the tomb, and he looks in there, and there's no Jesus there. And Luke writes that he goes home, and he's, he's marveling at, at what had happened. And in Peter, you have to think, he's, he's probably thinking this through, too. Wait a minute. Jesus did say something about this. Jesus did talk about this. And in fact, earlier in the book of Luke, there's a real dramatic moment. It's in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And the disciples must have remembered it well because they, they told Luke. Luke wrote this down, uh, but it, it reads in Luke uh, 9, 51, when the days drew near for him, that's Jesus, for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And there's this real sense as Luke writes that, that there was this resoluteness about Jesus. He set his face. There was a purpose for his going. And he knew it was not going to be easy, but he set his face. This was the whole thing. And he went to Jerusalem. He went to be crucified. It's a very dramatic moment in the book of Luke. And you're wondering now if Peter's thinking, Right, he set his face to do this. And now he's not here anymore. And he did appear to his disciples. And, and when you look at Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 3 that, that we read, he, he appeared and he was with them for 40 days. And we don't actually know what Jesus said all of those 40 days. There's some glimpses of some things. He presented his, his body. Uh, in fact, uh, Thomas, who didn't, at first believe, he, he, Thomas got to feel where the, the nails had gone through the hand. And, and I'm sure the other disciples, they were around Jesus. They ate with him. Uh, Peter had a, a conversation with Jesus that was somewhat uh, painful for Peter. As Jesus kept asking him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Kind of a reflection of the three times that Peter had denied even knowing Jesus. But for 40 days, Jesus taught them, hung around them, ate with them. And what the disciples have seen is this new and indestructible body, the glorified body of Christ. 
They have understood that his teaching is true. Everything he had said up to his, his crucifixion, it made sense. It's true. If he were speaking falsehood, this would have never happened, but, but his teaching is true. His victory over death and his victory over sin. He said he was going to defeat death and sin, and this has all been validated. Here he is. He's alive, and he's teaching us, and, and he's probably actually reminding them of things that he had said. Remember when I said this? Here's what it means. And, and for 40 days, he's teaching, and, and here is their, their king who has now triumphed. He's been talking about this eternal kingdom for a while now, and now they see, yes, he is victorious. His kingdom is eternal. And they know all of this now, and so then... On that day of Pentecost, when we get to Acts chapter 2, on that day of Pentecost, uh, Peter, who remember that morning, that glorious morning when Jesus wasn't there, looked into the tomb and wondered, what does this mean? Pondering this. This Peter who had talked with Jesus, yes, I love you. I really love you. I really do love you. This Peter who had learned from Jesus. This Peter who thought uh, he was going to go back to being a fisherman, but Jesus said, no, that's, that's not it. I got something else. This, this Peter now, who's been putting this all together, gives this great sermon. And, and as in this great sermon, he, he's pointing out to the, the man of, of Jerusalem and Judea, and remember, Jesus had been attracting large crowds feeding thousands of people, people in Judea and Israel. They knew who Jesus was, and, and so Peter's using that. He's telling them, this man attested to you by God in verse 22. You, the mighty works and the wonders and the signs, you were always asking him for signs, and you saw them. He was doing a lot of things. In fact, he brought Lazarus back from the dead, and that was kind of the sign that the religious leaders were like, we got to get rid of this guy. Because if he's bringing people back from the dead, people are going to start believing in him. we got to kill him, or we're going to kill Lazarus too, because this is, we, we can't have this. But Peter's saying, you saw this. I know you did. He said, this Jesus, in verse 23, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. We're back to that idea again. There was a purpose in what Jesus is doing here. This is part of the plan. You crucified and killed him. That was all part of the plan. You had the Romans kill him. But God raised him up. God raised him up. It's not possible for death to hold the Messiah. And then he quotes King David. So now here's, here's what David said, and, and this comes from Psalm 116, and, and it talks about um, he's at my right hand, and, and the, the Lord is, is always before me. Um, and in there, he says, uh, you will not abandon my soul to Hades, that, that's the place of the dead, or, or let your Holy One see You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And, and as the Jewish people read Psalm 16, it was a psalm that, that David wrote primarily. They took it about himself. There were some things going on in David's life, but David's writing this and, and primarily about himself. I saw the Lord before me, so I was always uh, joyful. But, 
But then when he gets to this part about uh, you will not abandon my soul to Hades or, or let your Holy One see corruption, uh, Peter, notice what Peter does here in verse 29. He says, brothers, brothers and sisters, I can tell you with great confidence that David died and we can go to his tomb right now. I can show you where David was buried and there David stayed because David died. He, he did see corruption. His body is still there. Therefore, you know, he's putting this together for the people of Israel. Therefore, what happened? David is a prophet, remember. David wasn't really saying that about himself. He foresaw what Jesus was going to do. He knew that God had sworn to him an oath that he would set a, a descendant, one of his own descendants on his throne. It's Christ who was not abandoned to Hades, to the, to the place of death. It was Christ whose flesh did not see corruption. Jesus was raised up and we all saw it. All the disciples saw it and many probably of those there had saw it. Jesus had shown himself to many people after his resurrection. So we saw it. We're witnesses. We saw him ascend right in front of our eyes. And David didn't do that. David, and he, he quotes uh, Psalm 110 there, it's, it's not David who ascended. So when David wrote, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He's, he's writing of Christ. Remember, he's a prophet. And Peter says, so let all the house of Israel know for certain, then, in verse 36, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He is the one that David was writing about. He is the victorious king with the everlasting kingdom. Know this, is what Peter is saying. Know this. Uh, Paul, who actually may have been part of the crowd at this time, uh, but he was not a believer at this time. Uh, Jesus came to him uh, later, but after being taught by Jesus, uh, Paul, he writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and being found in human form, he's talking about Jesus, Jesus in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of, uh, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 writes, For the joy that was set before him, before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But that kind of brings a question. And it's a fair question, and probably a good question to ask on Easter Sunday, on the day that we celebrate the resurrection. If Jesus, from eternity past, was on the throne glorified and having all the angels worshiping him and the end result is Jesus is on the throne 
glorified in the heavens, why did he come at all? Why did he do that if the end result is just to get back on the throne? He could have just stayed there. What's the point? And that's a good question to ask. Because Paul gives us the answer very clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 1.15, where he writes, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the point. That's what it's all about. In fact, earlier uh, in, in, in the book of John, John chapter 12, this is after a Palm Sunday, after he had ridden in to Jerusalem uh, announcing himself as king, and, but before the, the crucifixion, obviously, and, and he's talking with some people, and, and, and they're, they're talking about things, and, and Christ is saying what's going to happen to him in the next few days. And then Christ says, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. This is the purpose. I was glorified before, and I'll be glorified again, but there's a purpose in what I'm doing right now. And last week, I talked about uh, the crown that was placed on Jesus' head uh, at his crucifixion or before uh, his crucifixion, the crown of thorns. As they were mocking him as king and, and, and made this crown of thorns and, and jammed it on his head and, and how that was symbolic. They, they were pretty unwitting in what they were doing, but that was symbolic of the curse from Genesis chapter 3. The curse that God uh, was pronouncing to Adam and he said from this land it's going to be tough to work and thorns and thistles are going to be growing and, and that, those, that crown of thorns is symbolic of the curse being placed on Jesus' head. But then when we read in Revelation chapter 19, and this is where uh, Jesus rides in on a white horse and he's called the Word of God and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, as the NET Bible uh, will, will uh, translate in, in Revelation 19, and there are many diadem crowns on his head. The, the crown of thorns is gone. But diadem crowns and then the NET makes this note diadem crowns were a type of crown used as a symbol of the highest ruling authority in a given area and Jesus is given area is the universe the highest ruling authority and it's often associated with kingship the curse removed the crown of thorns removed, and now the crown of diadems. The king of kings. The highest ruling authority in the universe. That's our risen savior. There's our king. And he came with this purpose. To save sinners. I mentioned Lazarus. That was kind of the, the tipping point for many of the religious leaders. Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, and a lot of people had seen it. They were believing in Jesus. But before Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, uh, his sisters were mourning. Uh, Lazarus' sisters were mourning uh, the loss of their brother. 
And, and Martha actually came out as Jesus came into town. Martha actually came out to talk with Jesus. And she said, Jesus, if you had been here, he'd have never died. If you had just been here, he would be alive right now. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question Jesus asked Martha at that time. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? It's the question Jesus asks this morning. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Peter, when he was talking with the men of Judea, he said, basically, he didn't ask it as a question, he's making it a statement, but the, the point is the same. You have to believe this, because we've seen it. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Do you believe this? And that's, that's the question of the morning. Do you believe this, that Christ came with that, that purpose, that he is victorious, the victorious king of kings, that he came for his people? Do you believe this? Because if you believe this, you need no longer wander around asking, why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, philosophers, going back as far as you can read philosophy, have driven themselves crazy, and I do mean literally, clinically insane, driving themselves crazy with that question of, why am I here? Why are we here? If the whole point is I go from non-existence to non-existence, then what's the point of any of this? To try to make things better for someone who may exist and for a well, I it all falls apart. Why am I here? And a lot of people, will, they don't even go there anymore. They say, well, there is something. Even people who don't believe in God say, well, there is something. There's some spirit. You do something. They'll, they'll come up with something out there. And Solomon pointed that out in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, God has put eternity into man's heart. We all have this understanding. There is something. And then when we understand our sin, we say, well, there is something, but it might be the wrath of God. It might be the fury of judgment against my sin, but remember Christ's purpose. He came to save sinners. He came to save sinners. In fact, the prayer that Jesus prayed with his disciples uh, the night he was arrested, this is the last prayer he prayed with them. And he's praying for his disciples that are right there with him and for all future disciples. And it's in John chapter 17, and in verse 24 of that, part of his prayer is this, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you've loved me before the foundation of the world. I came to get sinners, and Jesus' prayers, and, and I want you, Father, to bring them with me, to bring them into the glory of my kingdom. There is our purpose. 
Christ had a purpose. It was to save us. Our purpose is to worship him and be obedient to him. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer writes this, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Especially on this day, let us offer up our worship with reverence and awe. May our lives be lives of worship. Lives of joy and awe. Lives of humility before our God and great thanksgiving for what he has done. Lives of worship and lives of love. There is our purpose. To worship our glorious risen Savior. Being obedient to his will. And awaiting that day when he comes for his kingdom. May you have a great Resurrection Sunday and live in the victory of our King. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are humbled by what Christ did. He was glorified before. He is glorified now. But in the middle, he came for a purpose. He died a torturous death. He died for our sins, but he rose a victorious king. He rose as the Savior who saves his people. He rose that we may have life in him. Heavenly Father, we give you all praise. We give you all thanks. May you be glorified, Father, Son, be glorified in all we do. Help us to proclaim that victory in Christ, in what we say and in all that we do. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And our benediction this morning comes from the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.